Let's see how we're doing with eagles in the last Green Valley. Our annual program to talk about the Midwinter Eagle Survey, the Chief Ranger, Bill Reed, joins us. And Bill and the gang were out back on Saturday morning counting eagles. What a nice way to start a Saturday morning. Bill, good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me for today. What is the last Green Valley's Midwinter Eagle Survey? Thank you, Wayne. It's always great to chat with you. Um, so what this is all about, it's actually part of a national survey. It happens every January, and many states, especially around the lower 48, uh, will do a survey of sending volunteers out uh, in the early morning hours to count bald eagles. And this is a quick, you know, finger on the pulse of what's going on with the eagle population nationally. Now, here in the state of Connecticut, it's managed by the Connecticut Department of Energy and Environmental Protection. Um, and so what we do up here in the last Green Valley is we help the state do this by helping to organize several different uh, volunteer teams throughout the 26 towns that are part of the National Heritage Board. So we, we've been doing this for about 10 years. And, of course, as we know, the Eagle population, uh, in particular we're talking bald eagles, has been on the rise dramatically here in, uh, in actually across the country, but certainly here in Connecticut for the last seven, uh, several years. So this year we had mixed results in our, uh, our, the numbers that we, we counted for all the different teams. Uh, last year we had a total of 35. This year a total of 32. Um, and we really feel that the, uh, the real frigid temperatures this past Saturday, uh, kept some of those eagles hunkered down. Um, and, uh, but it was a, it was very, very successful, uh, results as, as well. 35 last year, your phone dropped out a bit there. Did you say 32 was the official count for this year? Yeah, 32 is this year. Uh, we counted, um, 21 adult bald eagles and 19 juvenile bald eagles. And it's important for listeners to understand that it takes five years for a bald eagle to actually completely get that beautiful white head and white tail. Uh, and so uh, after fledging, they go through different sort of shades of dark brown with white speckling on their bodies and on their, on their wings. Uh, and so it's important that those that, that, that go out and help with this can identify um, the, the juvenile eagle uh, from, the, from the adult bald eagle. Bill, inquiring minds want to know why you picked this time of the year to do it. As you said, it was cold on Saturday morning. Wouldn't a mid-summer eagle survey be more comfortable for the humans? Well, <laughs> it certainly would, but uh, the reality is the, the further northern states of the country, uh, they get pretty frozen up uh, pretty fast, and eagles are going to be near water. Their, primarily food, their primary food source is going to be fish. And so when it freezes up in the northern New England states, we find that bald eagles will start to migrate uh, south further down into uh, southern New England states where there's greater chance of open water. And so it's like, you know, if you're going to count them, you might as well count them when they're in a concentrated area. And so that's why this happens in January. And, um, you know, the nice thing about Saturday, even though it was cold, it was really the beginning of that cold snap, as you know, Wayne, and, and so a lot of the water was still open. Ponds still had some open water, uh, and the rivers certainly were still, were still flowing. 
you've done this now for 12 years, Bill, but is there a still a special warm fuzzy when you see an eagle either perched on a tree or maybe, better yet, flying around? Yeah, there's, there's nothing better. I mean, they are a huge bird. First of all, you got to understand that, you know, they can be, you know, three feet long in body and six feet plus long in wingspan. And so when you see one, uh, and when you see one up close, or you see one flying by, or even just soaring up high in the sky, it really is, um, it never, I get, I get never tired of it. No matter how cold I may be. <laughs> now, your favorite spot where you did the viewing was at the hatchery on the Quinnebog River. And I'd like you to talk about how the day progressed, because you try to get there before sunrise while the eagles are still perched for the night on their branches or near their nests. Yeah, I get there about quarter of seven, um, and we the, the team arrives. This year I had uh, five uh, people helping me, um, and it's important for me to have those numbers because where we go is we don't go, we don't just stay at the hatchery building. We go to the large field. It's about a 200-plus acre field down below the hatchery grounds right adjacent to the Quinnebog. And um, we pretty much we walk out into the sort of middle area of the field. There's a, there's a tall uh, power, uh, electrical power uh, line that, that, that uh, crosses through that field, and the eagles like roosting up the top of those big uh, towers. Um, and we get into position, but it's a wide-open expanse. So we really need to keep our eyes open because, boy, you can see one suddenly over a tree line and it's gone. How do you know that a juvenile eagle is not, say, a raven? <laughs> well, first of all, they're going to be pretty big. Um, and the, the more that we look at birds, the more the easier it is to quickly tell, oh, no, that's a great blue heron or that's a turkey vulture. There's some of our other larger birds, uh, you know, comparable in size to an eagle. Um, and it's really the way they fly. Uh, I can quickly tell, oh, no, that's a, that's a great blue heron. It's the way it's, it's flying. Um, also, the shape of the wings, turkey vulture wings, tend to be in a, more of a V-shape um, as they're soaring through the air, where eagles tend to be pretty much more straight and, and uh, across. So after a while, it gets, it gets pretty quick and easy to, um, to identify, even if you're only seeing that bird for a few seconds uh, with binoculars. It's like, oh, yep, there's a juvenile or there's an adult. You have something like 18 or 20 team leaders who each year view the same locations and take responsibility for accurately recording their findings. How do you coordinate with them to make sure that if an eagle is flying, that you're not counting the same eagle they're counting? Right. Well, it, what happens is when all the teams have data sheets provided by a Connecticut deep biologist, Brian Hess, who, who you've met before, and he's the one who coordinates the program. He's, he's very great he's a great biologist we're lucky to have him um we have to record the exact time that we see the eagle and what its location is and what it might be doing is it roosting or is it flying so for example uh the first adult that we spotted at uh the hatchery was just flying up the quinnabog river it was flying north i can't remember the exact time now but it was probably you know about seven thirty or so and he was heading up towards warregan and I know that we have another volunteer up there, Gene Pillow, who uh, observes along the Quinnebog River in Warregan, and then a little bit further upstream at Route 101, 
Warregan is the 203 bridge and their new 101 bridge uh, in Pomfret. And so if that eagle was sighted by Gene within 15, 20 minutes of when it, I was I sighted it, more than likely the, uh, the biologist would simply say, okay, looking at all the data, okay, that was one bird. Um, and so that's sort of a, the key to it is we absolutely have to to log in the exact time and where it's where it's going uh, or what it's what it's doing. Were there observers on the Willimantic River, the Natchaug River, the Chautauquet River, these rivers around here? You you bet. What we what we did um, is we you know going back for us at the Last Green Valley, we did we did a program back in two thousand nine where we paddled all the all the rivers throughout the Last Green Valley out the Long Island Sound as a way to draw attention to to water quality and recreational opportunities here. And we saw a lot of eagles. And that year I saw a report from Connecticut DEEP about the midwinter survey and they said there was one eagle up here. So I got in touch and I said, geez, you know, we saw a lot of eagles. Can I help you? Because we know we're the really good viewing locations. And so, yes, you're correct. All the main, what we refer to as the main stem rivers, the Quinnebog, Chautucket, Willimantic, and Natchaug, we place volunteers uh, at the good viewing locations. And I also know there's eagles that have been spotted recently, because I've seen pictures on Facebook, not seen them in person, of eagles at Mansfield Hollow Dam Lake as well. And that was one eagle, but generally they travel in pairs because they generally mate for life. Did you see the story about the stellar sea eagle, the one from Asia that was spotted on the Taunton River so many thousands of miles away from its regular habitat? Yeah, I know. It's pretty amazing. And and there's, uh, it's, I believe it's up in Maine now. Uh, but it did come down into into uh, Massachusetts. Um, yeah, what a story! What a story! What I found even more fascinating, though, was there was a picture of that stellar eagle roosting in a tree next to two adult bald eagles, and so it's like, okay, I guess that I guess they get along. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That was phenomenal to see, especially to realize how far away it came. Interesting how you do yours, generally speaking, on the second weekend of January, but you can't really compare and contrast, even though a part of the last Green Valley stretches into Massachusetts because Massachusetts does theirs in the spring? Well, what Mass, Mass has stopped doing the midwinter survey, and they focused on nest surveys. And that's really important. If you really want to know what's happening statewide, um, you would need to you need to monitor the nest. And so we do monitor nests also and, and the state of Connecticut has a very active nest monitoring program. Um, and so they feel that, that their their uh, their efforts are better are better directed in that in that area. Now are there other bird counts taken around the state for other species, raptors or maybe small songbirds, chickadees, woodpeckers? Uh, there certainly are. Uh, the weekend before, another cold day, um, I participated in what's called a Christmas bird count. And the Christmas bird count is a national count, and it's something that occurs around the holidays, you know, within a week of between Christmas and New Year. So I did this on, on uh, January 2nd with a team of wonderful biologists, uh, Tom and Sue Harrington, um, and we covered a, probably about a 10 or 15-mile transit um, uh, and including um, uh, the, the fish hatchery and some other properties in, in Killingly. Um, and so that, in that case, we, we count everything we see. Um, and it's a national effort, and this has been going on for quite a, quite a number of years, coordinated by Audubon, 
And it's a way to get, again, that sort of finger on the pulse of what's happening. Uh, statewide, uh, Audubon also um, has what's called um, Osprey Nation, uh, a number of volunteers monitoring osprey. But in that case, they're specifically monitoring uh, nests. Uh, one of our one of our volunteers, uh, J.P. Bobino from uh, Wyndham, uh, she's been a part of uh, Osprey Nation in the past before as well, uh, as are other people that are familiar with. So yeah, it's important that we keep a good uh, understanding of what's happening with our bird population, and Audubon uh, and state agencies are, are all part of that. The trout hatchery that Bill Reed's referring to is the Quinnebog Valley Trout Hatchery, which is on the Quinnebog River. Is there any effort to ma- to be made, perhaps by DEP, to ban any of these eagles? Uh, yes, well, they, they do that. Um, and um, uh, uh, Brian Hess uh, uh, will, will determine which nests are good for him to uh, to go and to actually climb. Um, and uh, it's quite a process. I've, I've watched them do it uh, a couple of times at a nest in Columbia, on Columbia Lake. Um, and he basically shoots a, a, a small bean bag with a line around it, around a, a larger st- a larger branch, gets a, a, a rope going through, and with a harness on, he then ratchets himself up to the, to the nest. They do this usually in uh, early June when the eagle is good enough size to put a band on its leg and the band is not going to fall off, but also when the eagle is, is too young to fly. Um, and uh, with a net, he grabs the bird, he puts it in a, in a bag, and he lowers it down to biologists waiting on the ground who then affix a band, an identification band. State of Connecticut band is uh, black. Uh, with white lettering, and they also put a silver band on the other leg, um, and that's the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Band. Um, and it's important that we do this through as many birds as we can, because these birds are going to live, you know, up to 30, 30 years in the wild, maybe even more. Uh, and the more we know about their whereabouts, um, when I'm when I'm observing eagles and, and, and eagle nests, and always talking to photographers that or observing eagles, I always say, get leg shots. So I want to see what you've got for bands. I want to see what color that band is. Because that's going to tell me where that eagle is from. Bill, you've done this for 12 years now, the Midwinter Eagle Survey. From what you have experienced and what you've heard and read, has there been a healthy increase in the eagle population over that span? Dramatic. Dramatic increase. You know, we uh, the first successful nest uh, in Connecticut, uh, post DDT was in 1992. Uh, since then, there's been a great dramatic increase in the last 10 years. It's about a 10% increase every year in fledgling. Um, and so the nest monitoring is really, really important because that gets us a, a, a sense of what's happened with, with uh, the young, the young eagles, uh, uh, numbers. And lastly, Bill, you know this because I've talked to you about this, but I have in the last year become a huge fan of live eagle cameras, especially Big Bear Valley, California, and there's two in Florida that I'm watching right now, including one of them just had eggs uh, that hatched about two weeks ago. Is there any thought or any effort being made to have a live eagle camera here in Connecticut or better yet, the last Green Valley? Not yet. Um, not that I don't know of a, of a cam here in Connecticut, certainly, and and I and I would reference that to uh, to uh, Connecticut DEEP and Brian Hess in particular. 
any placement of a, of a trail cam like that, we really need to be careful that it doesn't, uh, you know, disturb the animals at all. But it's really popular. A lot of people check in on these things. Um, and it's interesting, you know, Florida, of course, is hatching now. And, and here in Alaska Valley, we won't be hatching out uh, until, you know, uh, April, April, May is when the, the hatchlings first start happening here. Um, but it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating thing. Um, it's a great example of when, when we see a problem nationally, when we see a problem, what was happening with DDT, realizing what, what it was doing to the environment, realizing what it was doing to our important animals, let alone our national emblem, the symbol of the bald eagle, taking efforts to ban that. And years later, now we're looking at this incredibly healthy population, uh, not just here uh, in Connecticut and in, in New England, but around the country. They've been taken off the endangered species list. We did that, and that's a success story that we should always feel proud of. Great way to end things. Chief Ranger Bill Reed, always a pleasure. Good information. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Wayne. Always a pleasure. Have a good one. Bill Reed from the Last Green Valley talking about the 2022 Midwinter Eagle Survey on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.